I believe we should move to make college affordable for everybody. There are some voices saying, well, that, that doesn't count unless you go even further, unless it's free even for, for the kids and millionaires. But I only want to make promises that we can keep. Look, what I'm proposing is, is plenty bold. I mean, these are big ideas. We can gather the, the majority to drive those big ideas through without turning off half the country before we even get into office. And that, I think, is the best governing strategy, as well as what it's going to take in order to win. And Lord knows we got to win. I'm Pete Buttigieg, and I approve this message. You gonna, you running for president and you want black people to vote for you? That's a downfall. That's not gonna happen. I'm not asking for your vote. You ain't gonna get it either. Hello and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. You can hear the Katie Helper Show on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and please rate and review us there. Since doing this interview, as you know, uh, Kamala Harris has dropped out, so we don't talk about her in the uh, past candidate uh, tense as we would have had we recorded it after her dropping out. But yeah, this is still a really important interview about a really not that covered story about Mayor P. And of course, please become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. That's patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Ryan, thanks for coming. Um, I wanted to talk to you about some article you'd written. And this always happens. I want to talk to you. I get in touch with you. Uh, we schedule an interview. And then by the time we talk, you've written a bunch more. <laughs> so that's good, which is good. But um, you write a lot about the kind of uh, the... You've written about the battle for the Democratic Party's soul. You've also written about the Bernie Warren thing, which you don't see as that. And there's an interesting debate around that, about like around how different they are. And that's a very contentious topic, as you know, from people attacking you on Twitter um, and perhaps mm -hmm. IRL. I haven't witnessed it. Um, <laughs> and then you have this great book. We got pe we've got people. And what's really interesting is the stuff that you've done on Mayor Pete, which has been surprisingly undercovered, um, did not cause the kind of reaction I think it should have caused and I thought it would have caused about his, basically his um, black support or uh, lack thereof. Uh, could you talk about how you even, it seems like it would be an interesting story how that even came about, especially the first piece that you wrote about his Douglas plan. Yeah, so the Douglas plan, that's his like piece of sweeping policy outreach to the black community. Um, he named it after Frederick Douglass. And so he, when he rolled it out in South Carolina, he did so in an op-ed that was written by uh, three prominent black leaders in the state. And then it, would, it was signed, it said, by 400-plus South Carolinians. Uh, and so the first kind of clue that something might be amiss there is that when I went back and looked at it later, there were no longer three bylines on it. There were now just two. Mm. And yeah, so like, huh, okay, what's going on here? And so Johnny Cordero had been listed as a co-byline of this, of this op-ed about how great the, the Douglas plan is. And he's the, that was quite a coup uh, for the Buttigieg campaign to get him because he is quite a big deal in South Carolina. He is the chairman of the Black Caucus uh, for the Democratic Party in uh, South Carolina. Um, and so then we, all, so we also, that he was no longer on it was interesting. Um, one of the other uh, co-authors was Ivory Thigpen, who's a state representative and a well-known well pastor. Yeah, excellent name. Also gifted with an excellent name. Um, 
he is the co-chair of the Bernie Sanders campaign in South Carolina. All right, that's a little odd. Yeah. Um, and so then we we took the 400 plus names and we ran them through the South Carolina voter file, which because it's South Carolina, uh, they collect racial information. <laughs> Thank um, God for small favors. <laughs> right. right. So you and, you know, self-identification. But you're, you know, so the voter, when they register to vote, checks whether they're white, black or something else. And so you don't have to do the problematic thing of searching for people on Facebook right. and checking how white their posts are. Right. To, you know, to figure out if they're white or not. Right. Um, you can just say, like, OK, in the voter file, this person is listed as black. This person is listed as white. Do and people so, ever do NA or like decline to? Just curious. Uh, I didn't find any. Didn't come, yeah, but, but but I would suspect that That's people enough, do yeah. other or don't want to answer. Yeah. Um, but typically, people are like people like ninety nine percent of people answer that question. Yeah, or Rachel um, Dolish all it. Right, <laughs> uh, but it's unlikely that many people Rachel Dolish all it. Right. Um, from white to black, because you'd only be hurting yourself in South Carolina. Right. Drawing. Uh, drawing heat to yourself right um so uh we ran ran that through and we found of the people that we could find in there of about half uh or actually of the people we could find about 60 percent were white um which meant that you know if you fact if every single person we couldn't find was black then at least half or so right looked like it was white very, and it was, they, it was a very strong implication that this was a list of 400 black South Carolinians. After all, it's a plan for uh, black America. Right. And so I went to the Judge campaign and they said, no, 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 no. We always wanted a, a multiracial coalition supporting this. Right. And, you know, it was never our intention to suggest that it was, this was all black South Carolinians. So I ended up actually kind of making that the second half of my story rather than the top of it. And then I was eventually able to get in touch with the three people who had signed it, Tamika Devine, who is a, a councilwoman in Columbia, uh, Ivory Thigpen, a state rep, the state representative, and then Johnny Cordero. Uh, Tamika Devine was upset about how the thing had been rolled out. She said that they were intentionally vague about how they used her name and made it look like she was endorsing Judge, when all she had said was that she was fine to endorse the plan. She thought it was a good plan. Right. The other two said they told them that not only do we not endorse Buddha judge we do not we do not endorse this plan either wow like we're not we're not even supportive of the plan your plan sucks and they went ahead and used their names anyway um and so then after we published the story uh the Buddha judge campaign sent us an email they said look we had asked we had given everybody the opportunity to opt out and which is hilarious in its own yeah. right but in the email that they sent to the 400 plus people including cordero and thigpen and, and divine it said you'll be joining a list of 400 black south carolinians like okay. they they made it explicit they, right. they they made the subtext text there right um and then they said well that was a mistake on the part of the staff or it was never intended to be and i was like no what, really it wasn't intended to be stated it was right. intended to be implied right so yeah the, the, the staffer drew the implication and made it explicit, and that's where that's where they went wrong. Um, so the whole thing was a mess. And then I think, and then afterwards, after the story was up, I, I tweeted out that on top of all of this, they also used a stock photo of a Kenyan woman um, to advertise the the plan. Oh my god! And then I'm... and then 
bizarrely and or not bizarrely, if you understand the media, the stock photo became the story. Like the New York Times and Washington Post both wrote stories about the stock photo, like made that their headline. And when Kamala Harris was asked about it in the debate, she was asked about the stock photo. Um, and, And I think it's because the stock photo is is an easier thing to uh, cop to. The Buttigieg right, campaign sure. apologized for it. Yeah. Contractor staff error. Right, totally, yeah. Know, we're, we're sorry, we, we'll do better. Right. Much, much easier to just apologize for that, cop to it, move on, than it is to explain how you had a list of 200 people that you implied and sometimes said were black, that were actually white, and that you listed people who were supporters not just listed them, but wrote, put their names on an op-ed. Right. That's insane, um, right. When they, when they said they were not supportive. That, that's much more difficult to answer. And so the stock photo kind of allowed them to wiggle out of it. And the stock photo also kind of allowed the media to wiggle out of covering the story and, and instead to cover the stock photo, haha, in that right. funny angle of it. Right, because that seems like a kind of unoffensive or like offensive, problematic, but look, it's understandable. What are you going to do? They want to find a photo of someone who was black. Um, and they didn't have any of Pete with Right, black exactly, people, yeah, so. yeah. Without like doing the bunny ears behind him or something or like, <laughs> you know. Um, but, but, okay, yeah, because I didn't, I saw that, when I saw it, I saw they asked Kamala Harris about it. This week, you criticized Mayor Pete Buttigieg's outreach to African-American voters. You said, quote, the Democratic nominee has got to be someone who has the experience of connecting with all of who we are as the diversity of the American people, end quote. What exactly prompted you to say that, Senator Harris? Well, that was asked a question um, that related to a stock photograph um, that his campaign published. But listen, I think that the... It really speaks to a larger issue, and, I, and I'll speak to the larger issue. I, I believe that the, um, the mayor has um, made apologies for that. And I was actually really surprised by her response because she really dismissed it, wasn't critical at all of him. Senator Harris, thank you. Mayor Buttigieg, your response to that? My response is I completely agree. And I was really hoping someone would... Uh... did is she pivoted to this thing of, like, you have to have, I'll, I'll speak in generalities, and you right. have to have an authentic connection with the black community. Right. The larger issue is that for too long, I think, candidates have taken for granted constituencies that have been the backbone of the Democratic Party and have overlooked those constituencies. And um, have, you know, they show up when it's, you know, close to election time and show up in a black church um, and, and want to get the vote. But just haven't been there before. I mean, you know, the, the, there are plenty of people who applauded black women for the success of the 2018 election, applauded black women for the election of a senator from Alabama. Um, but, you know, at some point, folks get tired of just saying, oh, you know, thank me for showing up and, want, and, and say, well, show up for me. Because when black women, when black women, are three to four times more likely to die in connection with childbirth in America when the sons of black women will die because of gun violence more than any other cause of death, when black women make 61 cents on the dollar as compared to all women who tragically make 80 cents on the dollar, the question has to be, where you been and what are you going to do? 
And do you understand who the people are? And clearly she was trying to say that the Buddha judge does not have an authentic connection with the black community. But she decided not to actually say that, but just, just imply it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nobody, I feel like people think that he's kind of a zombie candidate that because of this he, uh, handicap that he has, that 0% black support, 1% right. Hispanic support, that he can't win the nomination. And therefore, why anger um, all of right. his nice elderly supporters? Right. Why bother? By by hitting it by like being the ones that go after their golden boy, right? Um, but they might be wrong in that calculation. Like yeah. What if you know? What if he runs away with it in Iowa, and New Hampshire, um, and then all the money pours his way, and so we'll see. But yeah, um, that 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 was my guess. Um, sometimes you have to wait a month um, to as a front runner to start getting really hit. Like Warren was, you know basically in the front runner in September and people mostly left her alone. And right. then, and then it was the October debate where all hell came down on her. Right. Yeah. I mean, I assume that they made some agreement, uh, Kamala and Pete's campaigns, or maybe it's the, um, it's, it's a, it's a pact, a son of a child of a Marxist pact that they share. <laughs> that solidarity. They don't. Yeah. Solidarity. Yeah. Um, Shuja Hader has a great piece for the outline called uh, Centrist Child Syndrome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was really surprising. Okay, so it goes from, like, the most charitable um, explanation for what the campaign did is that they, what? Like, let's be the most charitable possible for what happened with the, with the rollout of this op-ed and this plan. I mean, the, so... The most charitable, and this is what I've heard, is that they, they passed around a sign-up sheet at Pete, Pete events in South Carolina and that just used everyone on that list. Um, you know, do, do you support those plans? Sign here. Yeah. And, and if you signed it, you got on. And um, I, don't, I don't think that there's a charitable explanation for how, for the byline. Right. Um, because both Thigpen... And Cordero were quite clear. Um, I mean, I, I suppose the—I mean, I suppose the best, the most charitable is that they couldn't understand when they said no. That um, no means no. The no meant no, and um, you know, the Liz Smith is a terrific uh, communicator, like right. as, as a professional, like PR political person, an amazing operator. Um, she, you know, she's, she's like a character out of a mix of like house of cards and veep, um, right. extremely talented, uh, hard charging. And you can just see her, I, I don't, I didn't have any evidence of this, sure. but you can just imagine like, she's got two phones, you got a phone in each hand I'm like, Hey, you know, they, these folks say they're going to, they don't, they're not, they don't want to do it. Um, and she's just like, look, send them an email, say we're going with it. And right. if they don't, if they don't want to do it, then tell them that, that they don't have to do it. Just, just do it. Just go. Uh, you can, right. you can see, you can see that happening. Um, yeah. and then they didn't opt out. All right. Then, no, they crazy. must be cool. Like, right. You know what I realized that must've been the, uh, who they named this after not Frederick Douglass, but, um, Douglas, uh, Stephen A. Douglas of the Lincoln Douglas <laughs> debates. The popular sovereignty candidate. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly. Um, who owned owned a plantation in Mississippi and defended slavery. Um, yeah. 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 That's now it all makes sense. <laughs> Although I think they they do all, they do spell it with two s's rather than one. So oh yeah, you're right. Leave yeah. off that the last f for yeah. sneaky Stephen A. Douglas. Yeah, for Stephen. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> th- then that's kind of an interesting story because you get to like interact with the story. Um, you know, like you get to actually get a comment on it from the campaign. Um, is it awkward doing something like that to write about something that you've I mean, it's what journalism is a lot, but it's it's not that common because people have so many relationships with people. So you don't want to it's like awkward. You don't want to blow up someone's spot. Yeah, I guess I, I'm I'm kind of used to it at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, like the you know, the the a lot of the people who are in communications at um, a lot of these campaigns where, where I'm writing critical stuff, um, I've been writing critical stuff of places where they've worked um for years mm-hmm. um like the like the biden campaigns one of their top communications people uh used to work for the ustr and his job um was to uh push the trans-pacific partnership what's ustr um, united states U- u.s trade representative right. so okay. like they were the one under obama who right. was advocating for the trans-pacific partnership uh which I was writing about regularly as like a sellout to the yeah. you know working people of the country, et cetera. Right. And so, and before that, I, I can't remember what he was doing before that, but it's, it's very common, um, that, uh, uh, I've known these people from other, other jobs. And, and so we, we all, we all know, um, you know, how thing, how, how things are going to unfold. I'm going to be, I'm going to be as fair as I can. I'm going to get, get your, get your comments in, get your, get your perspective in. I'm going to, I'm going to hear you out to, right. to, you know, to an exhaustive, exhaustive degree. But at the same time, like you, you, you know what I'm going to write, you know where I'm coming from. Um, I'm telling you what I've got. Um, and so I, I, I am glad that I still, you know, 10, 10 years into this, I'm still have working relationships with people that whose whose bosses I'm I'm frying on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. Great. Mazatov. <laughs> um and then you wrote uh so and was there a big, there wasn't that big of a response to that. Did you think maybe it would come into play during the debates? Well, I mean it did come up at one point. Um Yeah. It did, it was, right. With And Harris. so I thought it I thought it would. Um and but then at that point it's up to the candidates right whether or not they want to go down that path right and and so the moderate like the moderators got a lot of heat for not um asking it or not a lot of heat but like you know they got some heat yeah um and it's true that they didn't ask the question of like they didn't they didn't press Pete on it right and and they didn't ask him about the endorsements but they did raise the issue and so yeah. they gate they, they opened the door for that conversation to happen and right. the candidate and the candidates just kind of didn't didn't allow it to happen didn't want it to happen yeah and it was basically harris right right and then no and then nobody else picked it up after that. yeah um i just so have, i thought i yeah. thought cory booker was going to but then instead he went um and had that great line lighting up biden for being high right um when he was saying that we shouldn't legalize marijuana. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of respect uh, for for the vice president. He is 
swore me into my office as a hero. This week, I hear him literally say that I don't think we should legalize marijuana. I, 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 I thought you might have been high when you said it. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, because, because marijuana, marijuana, marijuana in our country is already legal for privileged people. And it's one, the war on drugs has been a war on black and brown people. And so let me just, let me just say. Um, and then the Bernie joke, where he talked about that. Right. Um, and then, so uh, you wrote this about uh, uh, Mayor Pete, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg, I can never say his name, which is, I think, an unfair advantage he has, is that everyone calls him Mayor Pete because it's easier to say. Right. So then it feels like he's, you know, more beloved than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wrote this story. It had um, a bit of an impact, not as much as I thought it would. Um, I think part of it's it's like a slightly complicated story. It's, right. it's you know, it's not just, it's not like, they made them up out of thin air. It's kind of hard to explain. It's like he, they implied and they said that these 400 voters were black, but half of them weren't. Um, but the the three people on the op-ed, only one of whom kind of agreed, that seems kind of like really hard <laughs> yes. to hard to explain away. Yeah. Um, and I just, of course, I mean, my Bernie Bernie bro identity has to has me of course imagining if anything not that anything like this would have happened with Sanders but if anything remotely comparable right. happened I mean it would just been like resign racist old man go back to Vermont right. um, so then you wrote another piece on um, Mayor Pete's record um, when it comes to racial justice and criminal justice which was uh, how did that go how did that uh, what made you what prompted you to write that well, so the, the the Douglas plan has a number of tenets, and um, Pete himself has a, has a few things that he returns to regularly when he talks about um, racial justice. And you know, one of them was the key tenet of the Douglas plan is that he's going to give twenty five percent of federal contracts uh, to minority and women owned businesses. And the other thing that he's been very upfront on. Um, is uh, marijuana policy reform, uh, calling for legalization, expungement. Um, and in fact, he's called for um, decriminalization for possession across the board. So any, dr- any drug would have no prison sentence um, along with it. And that's further than Bernie Sanders has gone. Yeah. Um, and I th- I'm, I'm almost certain it's further than Elizabeth Warren has gone, um, which is interesting to see that Buddha judge is outflanking Sanders on a, on a policy issue. Right. Um, come on, Bernie. Yeah. Um, and he's been pressed on it by kind of the marijuana and the drug policy folks, and he has not been willing to go there. Yeah. Um, so, so the only office that Buddha judge has held is mayor. So it's fair. Okay. This is what he says about criminal justice. This is what he says about contracting with uh, black and minority and women, uh, right. uh, contractors, what's what what's his record as mayor because as mayor he runs the police force right. as mayor as mayor he has a significant sway over contracting um and uh kayla lacy wrote the piece for us at the intercept about contracting and found that you know less than three percent of contracts went to uh minority and and black-owned firms uh, and, and women-owned firms um and when it comes to marijuana the this the the arrest disparity was way worse in South Bend under Buttigieg um, than it was even nationally or in the state of Indiana. Right. 
Um, and that is something where you really do have a lot of like direct control over it. It's not like you're a senator or a congressperson. Um, you know, you're the like what executive of a city. And you could, yeah. I mean, as mayor, you know, there, there's the old saying that people improve what they measure. As mayor, if you went to the police chief um, who you hired after he fired the, the black police chief, you could say, look, uh, the, the disparity in arrest rates for marijuana possession in, in the United States is a sign of systemic racism, which is, which is what he says on the trail. He says, I want to work on that here in, in South Bend. Um, I want every week for you to report to me the disparity in arrest rates when it comes to white and and black pot arrests. Um, and if it's greater than the national average, if it's if it's greater than zero, frankly, um, then the mayor could say, I'm unhappy. Um, this is unfair. Now, yeah. if I were going to make Buttigieg's case for him, I'd say that the systemic problem he faces is that Notre Dame, which has like 12,000 students, mm probably does everything it can to keep the police off its campus. Right. Um, so it's cops don't even have an opportunity. However, I'm sure they're not patrolling like the outskirts of the campus, you know, sniffing for weed. Right. Cause if they did, they could probably collar people. Right. Um, and tell us about the, um, the story of the uh, police chief who was fired. Right. This was a convoluted story in a lot of ways. But um, so when he when he was um, running, there was there was a cabal of, of racist white um, or uh, there was a cabal of police officers who appeared to be acting in a racist manner. Um, they're very litigious. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, I'll take it out. Uh, right. As we know from your who, story. Right. Who were conspiring um, to have. Uh, Boykin, Daryl Boykins, the police chief, fired. Um, and they were, according to reporting from Jonathan Larson at the Young Turks, uh, who has uh, obtained transcripts kind of of some of these police of police tapes that caught them talking about this, um, they were trying to use donors, Pete's donors, to get to him, to, uh, to have the donors persuade him to fire Boykins. Now, Buttigieg says he fired him uh, because he learned that there was a federal investigation into the tape recording that was right. going on. Um, Boykin says that he was never the target of that investigation, that there's no federal crime, there's no wiretapping laws when it when it's your own police lines. Right? Right. It's not like he tapped them at home or on their right. cell phones. Like a police force just like eighteen like just like Coca Cola. Right. Like you, you can tap you can tap the lines that are part of your and it was a public safety reason for it. If somebody's calling in Right, right, right. Sure. They're reporting something. You want to have that recorded. Yeah. Um, they were accidentally recording some lines that they didn't intend to, whatever. So it's a long, complicated story. Um, but it was reported that uh, there were racist things being said on the, on the, on these lines. Um, he ended up demoting him instead to a different position, and he has since left, replaced with a white police officer. Um, and Buttigieg has said that that's a an incident that is damage like that deeply damaged his relationship with the the black community so he first he fired him and then he and then there were a lot of protests i believe it was um trayvon martin had just been killed and there were protests 
in the wake of that. Yeah. Um, the, and, and those protests merged with the protests against his firing yeah. of Boykins. Yeah. Um, and so he rescinded that and said, well, okay, I'm going to have him stay on the force, but just not as but chief. But demote him, yeah. Which is like a whole other thing because he was documenting, like you were saying, part of the, the wiretap was documenting the racist or the, can I say this? Not be, yeah, like the racist <laughs> comments about him. So that should have also been something that Mayor Pete had looked looked into more. Yeah, according um, to according to Karen DePape, who was the uh, uh, the communications director at the time for the South Bend Police, who listened to the tapes, that's what she said was on them. Got it. Yeah. Um, and then there's this this part of it um, where you cite um, this. Is what I thought was really interesting. Someone named. Um, Henry Davis Jr., who was a, a you right, who was a, recently elected to a third term to the city council, told the Intercept he was unsurprised to hear the significant disparity in arrests. It's bad as hell here, said Davis. The number for African American police officers have dropped to historic lows. Um, he feels like it's an open book test. If I do those things, then I win. He's discounting the fact that he's dealing with human beings. That was Davis talking about um, Mayor Pete. Um, he lost a primary to him in 2015, uh, you're right, and has often butted heads with the city over policing. In October 2012, after leaving a council meeting in which he voted against a police union contract, Davis was pulled over and detained at gunpoint. Davis, according to the dash cam video, protested that officers knew who he was. I know exactly who you are, one told him, explaining he had been pulled over for a sudden lane change, though there's no evidence of such a lane change in the video. In the wake of the Boykins fiasco, Davis had reported the South Bend Police Department to the Department of Justice for an investigation into the racist remarks caught on police, on police recordings, and the officers sued him for defamation, which was tossed out of court. This was something that happened while Mayor Pete was mayor. Right. He, and he, tri- he primaried Mayor Pete. After he had, in, okay, got in 2015. After, after all this happened, and, and Pete beat him. Right. Okay. Um, so that is pretty, okay, so that's a pretty, Did I mean, did anything happen? Was that treated as the scandal it should be, should have been? Not, not, not quite. Um, you know, think, I think things like this happen in small cities all across the country. Um, we don't hear a lot about them, and they don't become scandals, and typically their mayors don't try to become uh, president. Right. Um, that, I, that, was for some, that was the most shocking thing to me. It's crazy. Of all of them. It's, it's America. It's, it's, I know. It's America. But it's like, yeah. it's, that's not even just your run-of-the-mill, like, I don't know. That feels yeah. like something you it's like that seems like something you can strongly condemn and you can create. It's like I don't know how hard it is to create an environment where that stuff doesn't happen, but it doesn't seem quite as hard as like dismantling systemic racism right? Um, and white supremacy. Right. Right. Th- those officers were not disciplined. Yeah. I mean, that in itself is like a to- total stain on right. him. Uh, Mayor Pete's got work to do. Mayor Pete's got work to do. <laughs> and uh, Sanders and Warren are closer than others say. Well, uh, Sanders um, is great, and, and uh, that doesn't mean that Warren is a bank shell. Like, both things I, can yes. be true. Well, that's a lie. I had Liza Featherstone on who said, for us, Warren isn't Sanders. She's also not Clinton, um, yeah, which I think like, is, I, I yeah. Don't, I don't understand why that's such a controversial no, yeah. thing to I say, agree, but, yeah. it, but it clearly is. Yeah. Um, I have to say, this is not a dig on, on Warren, but I, de- I really thought the photo you used of her and the story you have of her um, – she looked, I thought it was Boris Johnson <laughs> just cause the hair color or the angle was very, yeah. I was like, That's what's funny. that? Yeah. 
It really does look like it. And your piece in three touchstone speeches, Elizabeth Warren grounds her That's campaign funny. in the history of American protests and movement building. Um, well, thank you so much, Ryan, and uh, well, we'll you. have you on again. Hope you quell whatever fight's happening in the background over like <laughs> Thanksgiving. Turkey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Bye. Thanks, Bye. Ryan. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Helper Show. The Katie Helper Show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova. Mm-hmm.